And welcome back, sports fans. It's another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. I am your host, Coach Donnie Hess here. And with always is my co-host, Mr. Brad Cross. And Brad, how you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing well, Donnie. We got two shows in two days for you guys. And this one's going to be a fun one. We're back to what our normal, our normal stuff is. But it's really special tonight because 1,423 days after the United States men's national team's debacle in Trinidad and Tobago that cost them a chance to qualify for the 2018 World Cup, the qualifying cycle kicks off tonight. The USA is back in World Cup qualifying action, and your boy is buzzing. I mean, I am bouncing up and down in my seat. I am so excited. I've been thinking about it all day long. And we've got a whole bunch of other really awesome stuff to talk about here. So let's get on into it. Oh, I can't wait. And he is rocking his USA jersey. He is so excited to be able to watch some football later this afternoon. Let's jump in to our game plan. We do our usuals that we've been doing the last few weeks. We start off in football. Domestic league football has gone. EPL, La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga. And we have some breakdowns of the draws of the champions league of the Europa league and the transfer window yesterday, just closed. We got to talk a little bit about who's moved, where, who are some of the better deals in that we talk some world cup qualifying because earlier today, there's been several European games and some shockers that we'll have to talk about. We got to talk MLS. I mean, Brad's here. We got to talk MLS. We go from there to the Little League World Series. We have a Little League World Series champion this year. I cannot wait to discuss that. An incredible, incredible tournament. A great way to end the summer and to hit the fall. And we end our episode. We end it with 40. The first round of the finals are done. We may be bumming because of one result, but there's still more finals footy to go. It is great. We look at the semifinals. And as always, we end our episode with Brad's crazy stats of the week, sir. Let's jump right into it. Domestic football is continuing to heat up. And I think let's do a quick wraparound of some of the big five leagues in Europe. Let's start off, sir, in Italy with Serie A. Let's really quickly, let's look at some of the big matches this week. What were what was one of the matches this week that kind of was like, wow? Well, there were a couple that really caught my eye. I think um, Atalanta being held to a draw by Bologna at home was a little bit surprising. But I think the big one to me is going to be Juventus dropping all three points against Empoli at home. It was a shocking loss to start off the post-Cristiano Ronaldo era at Juventus. And, of course, Ronaldo, will talk about him in just a little bit. But Juventus is off to a poor start with only one point out of their first two games. I mean, the table is kind of irrelevant at this point, but they are sitting in 12th. They're sitting behind the likes of Udinese, Bologna, Fiorentina, and Poli. So it is not a great start for Juventus in the post-Ronaldo era. So it's something that they're definitely going to want to correct relatively quickly. Yeah, and then the best part is, is that because of international play, we do not have to preview the next round because that won't be until after our next episode. Let's jump up a little bit north from there to another league that you are very passionate about, and that is the Bundesliga. Let's let's talk some Bundesliga fo- football. Yeah, so Wolfsburg have been the team that have really caught my eye. They have managed to maintain their perfect start to the season with three wins on the trot. They beat RB Leipzig 1-0 with a Rusilon goal in the second half. 
And the Jesse Marsh era in Leipzig hasn't necessarily started off well. One win and two losses in their first three games for Ebe Leipzig. Union Berlin keep up the trend going. They win 2-1 over Gladbach in a really good matchup on Sunday. Bayern win 5-0 with a Robert Lewandowski hat trick. And it's really looking interesting, the battle potentially between Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich at the top right now. Both those teams won and three respectively through three games. Bayern's offense looks to be clicking really well right now, whereas the Wolfsburg defense looks absolutely stout. Yeah, and just keeping an eye on it, the little engine that could that is Union Berlin. It's great to see them continue to be successful there. That is always great for international football when you can see a little bit of a smaller club continuing to have success. We jump down to La Liga and let's look at some of the matchups and, and my gosh, with some of the transfers that are going on, Barcelona, they lose Messi, yet they still continue to keep putting up points. Them and Real Madrid both, both with wins this weekend. However, the club that didn't get all three points is Atletico Madrid, and quite frankly, they should have lost. But Donnie, did you see the last goal that was given to Atletico Madrid? Quite literally, it was an own goal. And it was one of the more horrendous own goals I've ever seen in my life. He literally just kicked it around his own goalkeeper, thinking that he was somewhere that he wasn't. And Unai Emery, I thought he was going to literally like run out onto the field and choke somebody. <laughs> I, I mean, he was looking, he was so mad. And he, he was, he was just like head in the face, head in the hands. It was just absolutely livid. And then for Diego Simeone and Atletico Madrid, it was a real let off and it was a, Unfortunate for them that they weren't able to get all three points, but they're going to fall back. But now behind Real Madrid, Sevilla, Valencia, and Barcelona to start the season. So we've got six teams on seven points to start the La Liga season. And Mallorca too there, which would be very interesting. Again, early table, early league tables are always fun. But to see the big boys, even with some of the moves this week, neither team was super, super uh, aggressive in the, in the transfer window. So we'll definitely have to see how that continues on. We jump from La Liga. Let's jump down to league on where, I mean, it's kind of status quo, but the one thing I got to say though is Leo has finally, finally got a win. They, they, I think they're finally starting to get their, their feet underneath them this season. They've jumped all the way up to 10th after being down almost in the relegation spots early a few weeks ago. Yeah, they got a little help from Montpellier getting a red card in the second half, but Jonathan David, the Canadian striker, finally getting on the score sheet is a big one for them as the champions get their first win of the season. They win 2-1. Lionel Messi makes his league on debut in the second half of PSG's game, coming on for his former Barcelona teammate Neymar, and PSG get a 2-0 win with two Mbappe goals. Monaco wins 2-1 with two goals from Diop, and then Lyon getting a result on the road. 1-0 over Nantes. So we have four games played from PSG, four wins. And then Angers and Clermont de Foot are right up there in the standings as well with Marseille down in fifth, Lille in 10th, Montpellier in 11th. So there are a couple of teams that are in a little bit of a surprising spot to start the year. Of course, we got plenty of football still out to be played, but it's better to be sitting on top at the start of the season than sitting down low needing to recover spots. Yeah, and, and having Angers and Clermont de Foot right, right there. I mean, that's for, for smaller clubs to, to stay in that hunt. Yeah, Nice, the one thing that Nice and Marseille have a game in hand, so this this could all change. 
once they play that fourth game. So, so still a lot to, to kind of come in, in league. Uh, but unfortunately PSG looks there. They've got their, they've got their little lead. Unfortunately, it may start to grow. We jump up to what is quite frankly, a very interesting English premier league. And, and for me, the game, the game of the round, I don't know if I would say surprised me, but it was definitely entertaining as Liverpool, Chelsea go to a one, one draw in a game that, was very back and forth. You can definitely tell these two teams are two of the better ones in the EPL. We'll have to see. Does this draw change the fortunes for a couple of the for for either of these teams as this season goes on? And another draw by the bees of Brentford. I gotta give this this club some. I they're they're, they're pulling me in. I have to say each and every week, getting more and more points. I love it. Yeah, they're, they're kind of like what we were talking about, the little engine that could in Union Berlin. They're kind of like the little engine that could have the Premier League right now. They're just sitting pretty well in 10th place with one win and two draws to start the season. So, hey, they're undefeated in the Premier League so far. And Brighton and Hove Albion, they're sitting with two wins on three games. They're sitting just ahead of Brentford on six points right now. Uh, I think another one that really kind of surprised me is West Ham United. They went and drew 2-2 against Crystal Palace. I think a missed chance to keep up at nine points that they could have gotten Leicester city, get a two, one win on the road against Norwich. And then we got to talk about Arsenal football club. What on earth is going on there? All the money that they spent this transfer window. And so far this season, let's take a look here. Uh, zero goals scored, uh, nine conceded, uh, zero wins, zero draws, three losses. They are sitting Donnie dead last in the table. I mean, I mean, just just five years ago, you, you couldn't have even thought of this for Arsenal. But here they are. They're in a complete shambles right now. It just doesn't seem like anything that they do is working right now. This is this is not the Arsenal of the Arsene Banger years where you expected them to be in European play. You expected them to be near the top of the table in the EPL. And unfortunately, if Arteta doesn't get this team going, I I, I think his days could be numbered in North London and in. I, I would I would be scared to look at Arsenal TV right now because I don't think they're probably getting the most positive of comments when it comes to it. So that will do our wrap around for the big for the big five again. The, the best part about European about um, international play now is we don't really have to preview anything since we'll have international play for the next few weeks. So we will look at it. The transfer window has come. It has gone millions and millions of pounds and euros have been handed out really quick brad what are a couple of the transfers that really pricked your uh, that really pricked your ears that you're like interesting to see that happen well i think the obvious ones are we've talked about the messy transfer to psg it we haven't had a chance to talk about the other one that happened the big one cristiano ronaldo has returned to manchester united he's going to wear the number seven once again for his old club and he's looking to help bring them a title but a couple of the ones that may have flew under the radar for a couple of people that i'm really interested in eduardo camavinga from stade ren to real madrid for 30 million euros that's a big one because this is a this is a prodigy from france that has been on the radar of several big teams in europe including my club bayern munich so i think it's a really good move for real madrid to get that one done Iliax Mariba going to Leipzig from Barcelona. I think this is a really good addition to Jesse Marsh's team. So we'll have to wait and see with that one. Saul from Atleti, Atleti to Chelsea. 
So we'll have to wait and see if they can get him back to the glory days there. And then an, uh, we've got a couple of really interesting ones. Moise Keen coming back to Juventus after a really, really shoddy performance at Everton. Nuno Mendes to PSG, another amazing one. Marcel Zabitza to Bayern Munich, Kurt Zuma to West Ham. So we've got an incredible amount of transfers. Oh, and I didn't even mention Antoine Griezmann going back to Atletico Madrid on loan. So the, there has just been so much going on in this transfer window. I think it's pretty safe to say that this has been the most hectic transfer window probably of all time. Yeah, just and, and the, 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 the pure names that were moved in this particular window is probably has to be the most high profile names ever moved in one window ever. Like it is Lukaku ridiculous. As well. Lukaku, Messi, Ronaldo, all of them moved in this one window. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to homerish a tiny bit, both two ways. I had, I had to say this is that crystal palace getting Anson Edward from Celtic, I think was a great piece of business for them. They're getting a, a guaranteed goal scorer, an incredible player. I think he is going to thrive in the English Premier League, I think is going to be awesome. And here's one for me that maybe, and again, this is me homerish. I know Celtic, Celtic a little bit. Getting Celtic Jota, fan TV. Get, I know exactly. Getting Jota from Benfica on loan with the chance to buy, I think could be one of the best moves for Celtic because it gives them an experienced player with a ton of skill that that some people in, in Portugal have said has the same skill as Jao Felix. And he comes on a loan. He can play all three of the front winger, either the center or the two winger positions. I think Celtic had an incredible um, transfer window and keep an eye on Scotland because Rangers may have won the old firm game this weekend, but I think Celtic may have gotten them, may have gotten their, them at one heck of a squad for this particular season. So Celtic TV over click. So we will move, we will move from there. We've, we've got just so much things have happened in football. The champions league group stage draw has has come it has gone let's look at some of these groups sir let's start right off group a sees group a sees let's pull it up to group a if i could sees club brews man city psg and leipzig a very intriguing group for me because most people would say man city psg guaranteed groupers out but don't sleep on leipzig don't sleep on them yeah, if there's anything that I've learned from watching as much of the Bundesliga as I have is that you cannot sleep on RB Leipzig. They're a very tough team to play. And we saw it a couple of years ago in the Champions League right when the pandemic broke out. I mean, they they went all the way to the semifinals and they were within inches of being able to get to the final if they could have had a couple of bounces go their way. So I think it's a, it's a real money group where you have the very rich clubs of City and PSG among amongst with the with the organization of the Red Bull team. So it's going to be very interesting to see who was able to come out on top here. I would think that with Messi and all of the transfers that were able to come into the PSG team, that they would have a slight advantage over Manchester city, but you know that Guardiola is going to be hungry for revenge after falling short last season. Completely agree. And then in my opinion, this is going to be one of the most difficult groups in the entire Champions League. And that is Group B, Atletico Madrid, Porto, AC Milan, and Liverpool. 
wow yeah there is a lot going on there and it's it's really tough to be able to pinpoint one as being the runaway favorite here i think that Atletico Madrid with the addition of Antoine Griezmann is going to be really, really dangerous. But you also have to think of Liverpool regaining Virgil van Dijk, Jordan Henderson getting back into his normal position in midfield, whether or not we'll see more of a presence from Thiago in the midfield, the front three of Mane, Firmino and Salah, how will they get on going together again? So I would think that one of those two would be able to top the group, but I think it's going to be those two Atleti and Liverpool who will end up getting through the group. But I think that Milan is going to be really tough, especially when they play the matches at Liverpool and at the San Siro against Liverpool. It's going to be very interesting to see that. But I do think that AC Milan will fall just a little bit short and end up into the Europa League. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. And jumping from there, Group C is one that after uh, Borussia Dortmund, it's very wide open. I think, I think there's, there's this, this second place could be quite interesting with Ajax sporting of Portugal and Besiktas from Turkey. This is going to be an interesting group. I think a lot of people expect Dortmund to win this group, but second place is going to be a dogfight because you've got some really good clubs here. Yeah. And I think that when we look at this Ajax team in particular, I don't think it's as strong as teams that we've seen in the past with players like the Lichten, the young, and other players that have come and gone through the Ajax system. But I think it's still a very strong side. They've looked very good in preseason and through their first couple of games in the Eredivisie. Sporting, of course, going in as the Portuguese champions from last season. So they're going to be a very tough team. So I think it'll come down to one of those two. I think that Sporting might actually be a shot to get over Ajax here. But I think it will come down to those two getting through. And then I think Besiktas will probably run up the tail of the group. Unfortunately, and Group D has got to be one of the most interesting groups because it sees three teams that played each other last year and the upset special of Sheriff in it with Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk of Ukraine, Inter of Italy, and Sheriff of of Moldova, the first ever Moldovan team to make it to the Champions League. Congratulations to Sheriff. Here's a very interesting group for you. It'll be very entertaining. It'll be great for their fans to be able to see Real Madrid and Inter step into Moldova and play a game in Moldova. Yeah, congratulations, Sheriff. You get the most winningest club in the history of the Champions League competition. You get the reigning defending Scudetto winners. You got the always tricky Shakhtar Donetsk. So it's definitely a a baptism by fire for the Moldovan team. And I really fancy Real Madrid here because of the addition of Kamavinga providing a little bit of depth in midfield behind Cruz and Modric and Casemiro. I think they're going to have that depth in midfield and be able to cause Inter Milan a little bit of trouble. I think that they might be due for a draw against each other, but I do think that Real Madrid is going to be just a little bit too much for Inter. I think they'll probably beat them out by either either goal difference or by maybe just one or two points. I think that Real Madrid first, Inter second, Shakhtar third. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Jumping down to Group E, sees your beloved Bayern Munich get matched up with Barcelona, Benfica, and FC Dynamo Kiev. Honestly, first initial thoughts, sir. How do you think your draw went? Are, Are you a little worried having Barca and Benfica in your group, or do you think this is a group that Bayern should do well against? Should do well, yes. Will do well, it's always it's always a question of, of maybe. 
I think that the Barcelona draw is made a little bit easier just, of course, with the fact that there is no Messi, but there will still be plenty of players in that Barcelona team who are victims of that 8-2 matchup a couple of years, just last year in the Champions League. They're, that's still going to be fresh on their minds, and they're going to be looking for a bit of revenge, when, especially when they come back to the Camp Nou. Benfica is always tough. We faced them in the Champions League before, especially when they when they had Renato Sanchez. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough matchup against Benfica and then Kiev. You never know against Ukrainian teams, like we mm-hmm. said about Shakhtar. They're always tough when they, when you go to the Olympiski to play. It's never going to be an easy task. I do think that this is a group that Bayern can win and should win. I think that the quality and depth of the Bayern team is going to be a little bit too much, especially with the addition of Marcel Zabitzer. If Tolizo can stay healthy once Lucas Hernandez gets back into the team a little bit as well to complement with Zula. I think that's going to be a really interesting one. So I think that Bayern should win the group, knock on wood, of course. But I think that Barcelona is going to be a very tough test. I think they'll get second. Benfica should get third, and Kiev will run up the tail. And then we jump to Group F, and Group F and Group G have two things in common. That, In my opinion, these are toss-up groups. These are both groups that any of the four teams could do very, very well with Group F seeing Young Boys of Switzerland, Man United, Antalanta, and Villarreal just in Group F, a fun group. I think Man United should win this group, but it, another one, second place, could be fun between three uh, pretty good football teams. And then Group G, Salzburg, Wolfsburg, Sevilla, and Lille. That is a crapshoot there. That group probably will be one of the best and most competitive groups because every single team in that group could be dangerous, could win it, or could move on in second place. Yeah, so first off with Group F, I think that if two weeks ago you asked me who would win that group, I would be more adamant about picking Manchester United to win this group just because of the fact that they didn't have Ronaldo back then. But now they've got Ronaldo. So that completely turns everything on its head. And you know on a Champions League night that Cristiano is going to show up because he always does. And as much as I might be more of a Messi guy in terms of the Messi-Ronaldo debate, I think that the addition of Cristiano with Bruno Fernandes right underneath him in the, in the lineup, I think that that's just a recipe for disaster for every team that they're going to come up against. So I think that Manchester United are going to end up winning this group I think that this is going to be really interesting in terms of second place. I think Atalanta is just a little bit better than Villarreal and Young Boys, but I think that Young Boys are going to pose as a really tough challenge for every team in this group. So I'm going to go Man United 1 and Atalanta 2. And then for Group G, like you said, I think that really this is a draw that all four of these teams should think that they have a chance of getting out of. I mean, Salzburg with the addition of Brendan Aronson playing very, very well, it's always a tough ask to go up against them. Lille, maybe if they're starting to come into their own, maybe there might be a little bit more of a challenge. They haven't really started that well yet, but if they can get Jonathan David scoring, then that's going to be really good for them. And the Sevilla, we've seen them before. They, a lot of times, will end up getting into either the knockout stage or get knocked out in third place and then go on into the Europa League. We've seen that happen before. But Wolfsburg are looking really good in the Bundesliga right now, so you cannot sleep on the Wolves from Germany. So I don't know. This is such a tough one to call, but I'm going to go with actually Wolfsburg to top this group with Sevilla second and then Salzburg third and Lille in fourth. I I know this is going to shake up some feathers here, but I really like the way that Wolfsburg are playing great defensive football right now. They're real. They're playing very compact, 
John Brooks out the back. The American International is looking fantastic right now. And I really like the way that the Wolfsburg team is playing right now. Yes, and going into the last group, sees the sees the defending champion Chelsea draw Juventus, Zenit, and Malmo of Sweden. A group that, if we really look at it, just by name value alone, should see Chelsea and Juventus find themselves into the knockout stage. Yeah, I think it's really just an order of who we think is going to get first and who we think is going to get second. I think that Chelsea are bound to finish first if they can keep up what they're doing. They look really good right now in the Premier League. They had a tough game at Liverpool with with 10 men, of course, after Reese James was sent off. But I think that they recovered well. They stayed compact. If they can get Christian Pulisic healthy and they can keep him going in and out, then I think that they're going to be really tough to beat. And then, of course, the the loss of Ronaldo for Juventus and the lack of a good start in the league is not really great for them. But I think that they have enough pedigree to be able to get over Malmo and Zenit. So I think Chelsea won a new Bay too. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. So let's go from the glitz and glamour of the Champions League down just a tiny bit to the Europa League. Like the Champions League, the Europa League group stage has been drawn I think let's really quickly go through each of these groups because though this may be the secondary tournament, there are still some really good clubs in this tournament. It is going to be fascinating to see how this comes out. So here we go. Group A sees Lyon, Rangers of Scotland, Sparta Praha, and Bromby of Denmark. A, a very intriguing group here. I see Lyon and Rangers getting out, but Sparta Praha is no team to slouch at. Yeah, we've seen Sparta go on runs in the Europa League before, and they're definitely no one to, to mess with. But I think the quality of the Lyon team and the heart and grit of Rangers, I think, will be enough to get them through out of this group. I think that those two are going to be the teams that either move on to the knockout stage and get through to playing in the round of 16. All right, we jump down to Group B, sees Monaco, PSV, Real Sociedad, and Strom Graz, a group that, Really, I see three teams competing for two spots. It's what team fall and what team does not advance in, into the knockout stage. Yeah, I think that Sociedad, Monaco, and PSV are the three that are really going to be battling it out here. I think that this is going to come down to really the squad depth of each team and who is able to get more production out of guys in the 12 through 18 roster spots. I think that that's going to be really interesting. I think Monaco right now has started well. PSV is not anyone to mess with, but I think the Real Sociedad, by virtue of playing in La Liga, have been getting a little bit more experience against top quality opposition. So I'm going to go Monaco and Sociedad to get out one and two. Yeah, just a- another interesting group. And then the, the next group sees, it's hard to say this that this is not just a top heavy group here with Napoli and Leicester, most likely the top two teams are Spartak Moscow and Legia Warsaw, unfortunately looking like just the additions to make this a four-team group. Yeah, I think if Legia Warsaw had been able to keep a couple of key players that they had had in the team, that they'd be a little bit more of a fight in this group. But I do think that Leicester City, the power that they have in that team and the Napoli are just fantastic. They are very well built. So I think that Napoli will finish first and then Leicester City in second. Yeah, so we move on from that one down to a group that could have some fireworks in it, Group D, with Olympiacos, Frankfurt, Fenerbahce, and Royal Antwerp. A a very interesting quartet here with some fascinating football to be played. 
Yeah, you can never sleep on Greek teams, especially in the Europa League. I think that Olympiacos are in for a good shot here. But I do like how Fenerbahce are set up and Eintracht Frankfurt have been really good in the Europa League in years past. So I think that Eintracht and Fenerbahce will get out. But I think that Olympiacos is going to be a really tough fight for, for Fenerbahce. I agree. Jumping Group E just as intriguing. She's Lazio, Lokomotiv of, of Moscow, Marseille, and Galatasaray. So French, Italian, Russian, and Turkey. A very interesting quartet here. Some some marquee teams here in this group. Yeah, I think this is going to be tough to pick against Lazio and Marseille. I think the Galatasaray, kind of like what I was saying about Olympiacos in Group D, I think that they're going to push Marseille. But I do think that on their day, Marseille can be one of the better teams in all of France. And I think that they've got enough power to get over Galatasaray and Lokomotiv Moscow. So I'm going to go Lazio 1 with Marseille 2. All right. We jump down. Group F sees a group that I think is going to be very much up for grabs. Four very intriguing teams. Braga, Red Star, Belgrade, Ludogorets, and Michiland. A very intriguing trio quartet here that... All four of these teams, if they get going, could win this group. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at Red Star and Michelin. I think that those two teams, right off of the eye test, are going to prove to be the toughest test. I think that Braga are a really tough one to go up against, especially when you go to to Portugal to play against them. But I think that Michelin, by virtue of the experience that they've had in recent years in this competition, will be enough to get them over the line so red star one michelon two with braga and third for me oh this will be interesting to see what you think brad because for me as a celtic supporter this might have been one of the scariest draws we possibly could have pulled off if we as we get leverkusen from germany real betis from spain and fenitz veros from hungary just an absolutely outstanding draw when it comes to star power when it comes to name value but this could be a very very tough draw for the boyos of glasgow but i don't know part of me call me weird this and this just isn't my celtic talking here i think celtic can get out of this group i think leverkusen will win it but i think celtic has enough to get by betis and fenisveros and get second place and move on to the knockout stages yeah i think that leverkusen are happy with this draw i think that they have enough to get out of the group in first place i think that like you said i think it's going to come down to celtic and real betis i think that betis have just a little bit of an edge over celtic i know don't don't hurt me but um i'm i'm gonna go with (laughs) i'm gonna go with betis in second but i do think like you said celtic are going to be a really tough test and i think that they're going to push them all the way to the final match day and i think ferenc varos will pull up the rear here yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. And the last group of this Europa League sees Dynamo Zagreb, Genk, West Ham, and Rapid Vienna. Yeah, I think that I'm going to go with Dynamo Zagreb to actually top this group. And I'm going to tell you why. I think that West Ham are going to kind of have a little bit of trouble balancing out the Europa League and the Premier League. I think that kind of balancing those two out is going to be a real tough test for the Hammers. So I think that they're going to get second but I think that they actually might struggle a little bit in this competition and come in behind a Zagreb team that we've talked about before as being a very tough and gritty team out of Croatia. Yeah. And and that will do it for the two tournaments. When it comes to the draw stage, we'll get a couple of weeks before those get started And boy. I cannot wait for those to get started, but sir, 
We're into some World Cup qualifying. We're in an international weekend, so there's no domestic European play. We'll talk a little bit more about MLS. MLS being stubborn, continue to want to play. But what are some of the matchups that, that have happened over the last couple of days? And, I, and we've already did discuss it. Team USA starts their run towards the World Cup. Yeah, so the octagonal begins tonight. It's the first World Cup qualification cycle with eight teams in the final round. USA, Mexico, Jamaica, Costa Rica. Canada is back in the final round of competition of qualifying since 1986, followed by El Salvador, Panama, and Honduras are the eight teams getting into World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF. So to start off tonight, it's going to be Canada versus Honduras, that game going to be played at BMO Field in Toronto. So that's great to see the Canadian fans will be able to get out and watch the watch Le Rouge play, as they like to call them. The next game is going to be Panama versus Costa Rica. And this is a really interesting one because Panama were the shock inclusion out of CONCACAF in the last World Cup. They were the benefactors, one of the benefactors of the USA's debacle in Trinidad. So they'll go up against a Costa Rica team, which has been flying a little bit under the radar as of late they've they haven't been necessarily as big of competition as they have been in years past but you can never sleep on the ticos they're a very tough team to play the next one's going to be really interesting because it's mexico versus jamaica and it's going to be played at an empty estadio azteca due to the punishment handed down by the federations against Mexico for the homophobic chant that their fans had been doing at several matches leading up to and including the Nations League and Gold Cup matches. So Mexico versus Jamaica at Azteca. I think that Mexico is going to be able to win this, but Jamaica, you can never sleep on them. Leon Bailey is a very great winger. They've got several great talents in that Jamaican team. And then to round up the night, the U.S. is back in World Cup qualifying action. They go up against El Salvador in the Estadio Cuscatlan down in San Salvador. So I think it's going to be really interesting tonight. We're not going to have Christian Pulisic. He's still recovering from his positive COVID test. We will not have Zach Steffen in goal because of back spasms. He was held back in Nashville, and he didn't make the flight. So it's going to be Matt Turner of the New England Revolution in goal tonight. It has been confirmed by Greg Berhalter that an MLS goalkeeper, Matt Turner, a bit of a late bloomer, as we like to say, will be getting the start in between the pipes. The likely replacement for Pulisic is going to be Brandon Aronson, likely. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what they do with that, how they rotate players, because with the World Cup qualifying being pushed back because of the pandemic, there will be three match days in an international window rather than the normal two. So it's going to be interesting because we'll have El Salvador tonight. We'll have Canada on Sunday. And then next Wednesday, it's going to be another road match in Honduras. So it's going to be interesting to see the squad rotation, the picks by Burhalter, especially if the U.S. can get out to an early lead against El Salvador to see what players end up getting managed for the next game against Canada in Nashville. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that goes. Let's jump over. Europe had some absolutely fantastic matchups uh, that went on this last week. What are some of the games that, I mean, we, we were talking off camera just before this, that the European champions at home only get a draw over Bulgaria, which was quite an interesting little result there. Oh, we've got a handful of really interesting results here. So 
like you said, Italy versus Bulgaria, the European champions at home in their first match since their Euro triumph at Wembley. A 1-1 draw against Bulgaria. They're held at home, but they do extend their record unbeaten run in all competitions. Spain lose on the road 2-1 to Sweden, who you and I were both very high on in the Euros. I think that we both thought that Sweden was a tough team to play against, and they showed it against a weak Spanish side. Belgium get a qualify, get a convincing 5-2 win over Estonia, a 4-0 win for England over Hungary in Budapest, a 2-0 win for Germany over Liechtenstein, and then a couple of ones from yesterday that were really shocking was France being held to a 1-1 draw by Bosnia at the Stade de France. That's an interesting finish. Norway versus Netherlands with a real star power matchup there, finished a 1-1 draw there. And then the big one for me was uh, it's a 2-1 win for Portugal over the Republic of Ireland, but it's the way that they got the win. It was two late goals in the 89th and 96th minutes by Cristiano Ronaldo to become the all-time men's international goal-scoring leader with now 111 goals. So it's an incredible game to watch, an incredible finish, and an incredible record set by CR7. Yeah, definitely very inter- definitely some interesting results. I'm just running through some of the other groups. I'm, I'm looking at World, World Cup qualifying in Asia and seeing Oman knock off Japan 1-0, Australia getting a 3-0 win over the People's Republic of China, Saudi Arabia beating Vietnam 3-1 in Iran, beating Syria 1-0. Others were draws. The South American, let's see, where there been any games in the South American qualifications? There have only been two as we speak as of right now. These Colombia, Bolivia, 1-1 draw in Ecuador, beating Paraguay 2-0. Some other games still left to be played. Should I go through Africa? <laughs> you can if you want I, to. Go ahead. I will definitely jump through some of the games in the African qualifying Some of the more notable teams, Senegal getting a 2-0 win over Togo, Egypt getting a 1-0 win over Angola. Let's see, going through this really quickly, Morocco getting a 2-0 win over Sudan, Algeria beating, I'm not even going to make an attempt at this, 8-0. An incredible game there. Wow. And still some matchups still left to be played. Nigeria gets Liberia. Ghana with Ethiopia still, Cameroon getting Malawi. So still in Tunisia still to play, still in African qualifying as well. And I think that is gone through all of the World Cup qualifying matches that we can look at too. So let's go to it. Let's go to domestic football here in the MLS. Let's talk about it, sir. Another round is down. Unfortunately, the MLS doesn't like to take the the uh, international breaks off so we are still going to get mls action even as or even even through these international qualifiers let's look at last round and some interesting results i have to say yeah there were a couple of of shockers in my opinion a 3-3 draw in el trafico between lafc and la galaxy a really star-studded matchup there and a great game that went down to the wire. A 2-0 win by Nashville at Mercedes-Benz against Atlanta United. A big win for Nashville, who are really putting together a pretty impressive season. 
a 3-2 win for the Columbus crew in the Hell is Real Derby, which for me is the best rivalry name <laughs> in all of sports. I mean, come on. Hell is Real Derby. I mean, that's incredible. That if, you awesome. don't, if you don't know the story behind that name, look it up. It's, it's pretty hilarious. Uh, Club de Foot Montreal, 3-1 win over Toronto in the Derby up north. A 0-0 draw in the rivalry matchup between Orlando and Miami. So Heineken rivalry week, man. It's always interesting to watch and see who ends up getting the chocolates in those matchups. And then a couple of other ones that really shocked me. So NYCFC, a 2-0 win over the New England Revolution, and DC United, a 3-1 win over the Philadelphia Union. Those are two really big results there. And so then real quick, if we look at where we're sitting in the standings right now, Seattle and Sporting Kansas City are sitting one and two in the West, but the Colorado Rapids have got two games to play and they're only four games off the Sounders at the top of the table. So they very well could leapfrog both Kansas City and Seattle and take the top spot if they can win their two spare games. If we look at the East, it's New England and the rest of the pack. New England, 14 (laughs) points ahead of Orlando City SC and Nashville at the top of the East. And Donnie, I got to say it, going from what tw- from second down to seventh, five point spread. So mm-hmm. as we play these games, we're really going to start to see the playoff picture come into focus. Yeah, just absolutely incredible. And seeing the the Cascadia Derby, it's it, it evened itself out with Seattle going to with with Portland going to Seattle and getting a two nil win in Seattle. It, it does not happen very often. So right now, home field advantage doesn't mean diddly squat in that in the Cascadia in the Cascadia series there. Um, let's, let's take a look at it. Well, let's look at round 23 real quick, just to see some of these marquee matchups that we got to talk about. And we see it, sir, the, the second place matchup in the East as Nashville taking on New York city FC, um, on September 3rd, some, and another couple of ones like interesting San Jose versus the Colorado Rapids looks like another intriguing matchup still to come. Um, Austin FC facing your beloved Kansas city FC, FC should be another fascinating matchup in this round, in this, in this round coming up. Yeah, it'll be really interesting with the start of the, of the match day featuring Philadelphia versus new England. And then, like you said, Nashville versus New York. It's going to be really awesome to see that. And then Orlando versus Columbus is one that I'm really interested to see whether or not Columbus can start to make a climb back up the standings. They've fallen outside of the seven that would qualify out of the Eastern Conference to the playoffs as we speak. So we'll have to see whether or not the defending champions can get back up into the playoff hunt. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting, sir. I think that is going to do it for our football section of the podcast. Let's jump to it. I will take over this next section because it's it's going to go really, really quick. And that is the full and finishing wrap up of the Little League World Series. We have crowned a champion going through the matchup since the last time we talked. Saw our winners brackets of each side seeing Hawaii knock off Michigan in a, in a, in a barn burner 2-0. And South Dakota in another pitcher's duel beating California. One to nil, sending Michigan and California into the losers bracket. Well, they will take on Texas, who smacked down Nebraska ten to nil, getting a Michigan Texas matchup for a rematch against Hawaii 
in the Hank Aaron final, which Michigan dominates, winning 15 to 6, giving us a rematch in the Hank Aaron final. Jumping over to the Seaver final, sees Ohio knock, knock off New Hampshire and then continue their run, beating California 4 2, setting up an Ohio South Dakota Tom Seaver final. And in the two finals, Michigan beats Hawaii in a nail biter, two to one. Ohio beats South Dakota, five to two, giving us an Ohio versus Michigan, an all Great Lakes final. Man, is that surprising. I have to say that shocked me to see both of the Great Lakes representatives get to the championship game. And Michigan comes out with their with, with the state's first championship since the 50, I think it was 1959 was the last time a little league from Michigan has won the little league world series as Michigan defeats Ohio five to two in an incredible series. And and I got to say a huge shout out to Texas, the young lady from Texas. She had a chance. She was close to being one of the first females to get to the championship game. That was absolutely incredible. Miss Ella Bunting, congratulations to you, young lady. Please continue to play baseball. It was absolutely awesome seeing you play baseball. Congratulations. What an incredible tournament. I I miss it already. It was such a blast to watch the Little League World Series. And, sir, we jump from Little League down to the footy. The finals, the first group of finals is over. Uh, For some people, their seasons are over. For some, there's just continuing on. We go from eight to six. Let's see how it panned out. First game of the round sees Port Adelaide hand the smacketh down to the Geelong Cats, 86-43. The power are beginning to roll. If I'm some of the other teams in the finals, I'm a little terrified because this Port team can get on a roll and can get to the granny. They're looking really good right now, aren't they? I mean, 26 scoring shots to 18 and a 43-point victory. They doubled up the Cats. I mean, it just continues for Geelong. The the theme of losing the first matchup in the finals just keeps coming for the Cats right now. And Chris Scott's got a lot on his plate, doesn't he? Because he's got to rally this team for their next matchup, which we'll get into later. But it's going to be a really tricky one for them. And then for Port, the question is whether or not they're going to be able to hold the momentum through a bye week and go into a prelim final with a good chance at, getting the win and it'll be interesting to see who they end up playing and how that ends up going for port. But right now, like you said, I think that they're definitely one of, if not the team to look at in terms of a premiership favorite. Yeah, definitely for sure. We jump from there to, I mean, we, we have, we have to talk about have it. To? I know we don't want to, but we have to, as our beloved swans fall one point short to the Ah, I can't get it to pass my lips. The GWS Giants, 74-73 in the best game of the round. I, I, I can say it with pride. What an incredible game of footy, but the Swans just fall the tiniest bit short. They, they were right there, weren't they? I mean, we, we talked about it. We did a live stream of that match, and we, we talked about the second quarter. It, it was just a, a lapse by the Swannies in the second corner. They allowed just too much scoring from the Giants. They allowed the lead to stretch too far, and they just bit off a little bit more that they could chew in terms of being able to claw back into that game. 
but it's a great season for the Swannies. I mean, they defied everyone's expectations, and that's including our own. I mean, you and I both, we didn't think that they were going to be able to get into the finals this year. And in fact, not a single captain of any AFL squad this year in the preseason captain survey had the Swans getting into the finals. So they really showed out and they showed why they were defying expectations all year. And then I'm going to give it up to GWS here. I mean, I, I said that they were going to be able to get back into the finals this year. I thought that they would be able to do it. They did, and they got it done. They, they lose Toby Green in the process due to a suspension, which we can talk about that a little bit more later. But I do think that this GWS team has been able to come together really well under Leon Cameron. He, he's got them playing really well right now. It was a very tough, gritty win. They were held, they held on by the skid of their teeth, but the Giants are through to a semifinal. Uh, it'll definitely be fascinating to see how the Giants go. Unfortunately, not only do they get the suspension of Toby Green, but Tom Green breaks his arm and a couple other players go down with injuries. So a very thin, thin team for the GWS going on into the next round of the finals. We see... Melbourne showing why they were the best team this season all year as this 33-point win over the Brisbane Lions, 93-60, sends the Lions into an elimination final and the Ds into a preliminary final in Perth. I mean, I think that what these two qualifying finals showed us is really who the two best teams in the competition are right now. And quite frankly, the Ds and the Power both are just looking miles and away better than any other team at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's just incredible what the D's have been able to accomplish this year. I don't think anybody had them able to get to this stage of the season and now be able to be not only the minor premiers, but playing in a prelim with a chance at, the, at a grand final. I mean, they are looking really good and they've been able to stay healthy all year. They have everybody that they need at the moment, as long as they don't suffer any injuries in the lead up to the prelim. I mean, it's going to be very tough to bet against this Melbourne team heading into that prelim final in two weeks. Yeah, definitely. They are going to be a dangerous, dangerous matchup, no matter who they get. And in the, in the last game of the round, unfortunately the team that I was super high on, I thought they could pull the upset and they just ran out of steam at the final hurdle as the Western Bulldogs knock out the Essendon Bombers by 49, 85, 36. The Bombers go home. Another team like our beloved Swannies who nobody expected to make the finals. Nobody expected them to be there. An incredible season, but it just falls a tiny bit short. Yeah, this was a tough game for Essendon. I mean, no goals in the second half. And they really looked up for it in the first half. I mean, they really looked like they were going to run the Bulldogs tight to the wire but then they kind of just fell flat and gave in about halfway through that third quarter. They started to allow the floodgates to open. And then the fourth quarter, all hell just broke loose really. And it's unfortunate because this bomber team has really come into its own this year. And they've really become a team that has been a force to be reckoned with. And I think that if they were able to keep a couple players healthier over the course of the season, they might've been able to get even better than eighth spot on the ladder. And they might've been able to win this matchup against the dogs had they had a couple more pieces there that were injured. So I think that for the, for the Dons, I think it's a good season. It's a great stepping stone to hopefully more and more in the course of the next coming seasons. And then for the dogs, it was really good for them to be able to get up off the, off the, off the schneid. And they really have to keep it going into this next matchup or else they're going to be, a, they're, they're going to be looking at probably a trip down, down the tunnel for the last time this season. 
Uh, unfortunately, and that will end the finals. Only four games, but they were still four interesting, interesting games. And this week we only get to let's really quickly tip them both Friday night, tomorrow from recording Geelong hosts the GWS giants out in Optus stadium. Who do you got cats giants? I'm going to go with the cats here. Just because if we look at the outs for the giants, we've got Tom green is out with a, with an arm injury. Toby Green is out because he's suspended, and Sam Reed is also out for the Giants. And then if we look at the ins for Geelong, you get Holmes, Radigalia, and Tui. Yes, they lose Higgins and Dollhouse, but I do think that this Geelong team is just a little bit too good right now. They're full of talent. They've got all the the weapons that they need to play well. So I I think that Geelong are going to be able to bounce back. Yes, GWS are running off of a high of beating the Swans in a – derby matchup in a final but i think that it's going to be tough for them to head out to optus and go up against a geelong team that really on paper is just way too good for them at the moment yeah i'm with you i i think the cat i think the cat's getting Tui back and hopefully dangerfield has kind of figured out his his broken finger issue i think the cats are going to have a little too much i think the giants Unfortunately, Toby Green's decision getting suspended after bumping Matt Stevick, I think is really going to cost his team their season, which kind of stinks that a guy would be so selfish to make that decision. But unfortunately, he did. The last game of this round sees the Brisbane Lions hosting the Western Bulldogs up at the Gabba Lions Bulldogs. I have the dogs in this one. I think the loss of Daniel McStay is going to hurt the Lions. Yes, the Lions are at home. Yes, they're at the GABA. But I don't like the loss of McStay. I really think he helps balance out this team. I don't think the Lions have replaced him with a guy anywhere near him. I think the Bulldogs may have found what they were missing going in. I think Essendon gave them the confidence. I'm going to tip the dogs even on the road to knock out the Brizzy Lions. That's a courageous pick. I, I'm not going to go with the courageous pick here. I think that we're going to we're going to spice it up a little bit, as they say. I'm going to go to the Lions here. I think that yes, the loss of McStay is a tough one, but I do think that the likes of Bailey, McCarthy, Cameron, especially the addition offseason addition of Joe Danaher up full forward, I, I think that that's just going to be a really great addition. I think that the dogs have just been a little bit too inconsistent over the last couple of weeks of the season. And quite frankly, they weren't necessarily entirely that convincing against the Bombers. Yes, they had a great second half, but that first half was really shaky by the by the Bulldogs. So I think that the likes of Danaher are going to get a couple of goals. Cameron, McCarthy are going to be in. I think that in the middle of the field is going to be where this game is won. I think that Zorko, McCluggage, McInerney in the ruck, Lockie Neal is going to have to have a great game up against Bonham Pelly. So I think that the middle of the field, of course, is where the game is going to be won. I think I, I think that that's my theory of most games, but I think especially here that the likes of Zorko, McCluggage, Robinson, uh, those those players I was talking about, Harris Harris Andrews is going to need to have a really big game. Uh, I think that he does. I think that the Gabba crowd is going to be really big and really helpful for the Lions. I think that they're made to get back into a prelim final. I think that they're going to be able to get the job done here. Yeah, it's going to be a massive game. It's going to be fascinating to watch. And that will end our tipping for the footy. And ladies and gentlemen, we've come to it, our most favorite part of the entire episode. And that is Brad's crazy stat of the week. Brad, let's hear it. Well, this is quite interesting. So we're going to go to Seattle. We're going to go to the Seattle Mariners 
Baseball stats are always crazy. This one is really interesting, though. So we're talking about a first in MLB history, which is always fun when you can say that in all the years that MLB has been played, to have a first is always interesting. So Abraham Toro, not many people know him. He, he's a he's a little known he's a little known player, but he's become the first player in MLB history to hit a grand slam off of a pitcher for whom he was traded earlier in the season. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man, you always find some of the most spectacular stats. That is absolutely fantastic. And what a great way to end this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, another awesome chat. As Brad kind of mentioned early in the earlier in the episode, this is actually our second episode of the week. Yesterday, we recorded and put out the college football preview. College football has started. We go through each of the conferences. Please give that a listen and a like. Let us know what you think. We cannot wait for college football. Some more sporting still to come. Sir Brad, another awesome episode. Yep, definitely. I I, I don't know about you, Donnie, but I've, I've got a World Cup qualifier to watch. I hope that hope that you watch it too, and I hope that all of you guys watch a little bit of the World Cup qualifying. It's all over the world right now. It's always one of the best things in the world to get to watch the World Cup whenever it comes around, and the qualifying is where it all starts. So it'll be really interesting to watch all the games tonight and over the weekend, and then we're getting into college football over the weekend. A 9 o'clock first kick is going to be magnificent. I cannot wait. I've, I'm charging my iPad as we speak to get ready to watch that game for sure. I cannot wait. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. Brad and I thank you. Please, if you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, share it with your friends. Let them know. We may be a small podcast, but we have a lot of fun chatting sports. We talk some unique sports. Please share our share us out there. We would love to find more fans of the episode. That is going to do it for us. We will see you again next week.